The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. And, you know, really wanted to thank all of you for, for being our podcast. This just is now going well over five years. It's actually hard to count all the podcast episodes. We're going to be hitting 300 fairly soon. And uh, for many people, that's a lot. But for other people who have been podcasting for a while, hey, five years is nothing. Some people have been podcasting for 10 or even 15 years. So, you know, we got a long ways to go. And I think the great thing about AI today is we never really run out of topics to talk about. Um, as a matter of fact, just by way of preview, we are in the midst of recording a pretty substantial podcast series on glossary terms, because there's so many terms and terminology that, around AI and machine learning and all the concepts. And, you know, sometimes we use these terms, we don't always uh, see eye to eye and what they mean. And so we're like, let's let's just put together the, a glossary. So just a little bit of a preview. Uh, you'll be seeing a lot of episodes on that. And they will be fairly short and concise, but focused on that. So I just really wanted to uh, bring that to, you, to your attention. But we're also bringing another thing back here today, which we haven't done in a little while, which is there are other great podcast hosts that are talking about topics that are very uh, symbiotic and, and really overlap well with our audience, which is focused on making AI reality today. And uh, we are thrilled to be uh, bringing back our podcast swaps and having a guest with us join with us today who is focused around project management and has some really unique perspectives around project management and especially around Agile. And because we've been talking about these concepts a lot and embedding that increasingly into the CPMI methodology, doing more and more with Agile, we think this is a really good opportunity for us to bring that in. Exactly. And so that's why we wanted to uh, to start these podcast swaps again, because it's one thing to hear it from us, but it's another thing to hear it from, you know, project management, agile scrum experts. So we're really excited to have with us here today, Greg Mester, who's the host of the 5am Mester Scrum podcast. So welcome, Greg, and thanks so much for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. I'm all excited about talking about AI today and artificial intelligence. This is awesome. Yeah, we are too. We'd love to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners, tell them a little bit about your background, why you started your podcast, and maybe what it's all about. Um, just from a background perspective, started as an engineer, went through the tech side, worked with DOD in the past, built, I guess you can say, tanks. And you'd be amazed that I applied an agile methodology to building tanks when I did that with the army and the technology and the electronics and the hardware and people say, how do you do it? Well, I realized I was just getting my, my teams to share information, demoing it to the customer. And because we were the only one demoing anything, we kept getting the contracts. So it was classic agile. And then I learned about it and got a cert. What is this? I was in California at the time in the Bay area, right? Silicon Valley. And um, I'm like, what's this agile stuff? Cause this is something. And I realized it just clicked. And this is what I do and how I've been doing it my whole career as a program project manager, engineer. And it just became that. And then later on, as I'm doing the Scrum and the Agile, everyone says, you really know this stuff and you really kind of live it. Can you teach everyone else? So it became more of a teaching, showing, demonstrating. And then later on with the podcast, I just got to a point where I learned so much from so many different teams and, and thousands of uh, daily scrums. Like I calculate one time, I think I, I think I did 3,500 daily scrums so far, you know, and I was like, okay, I, I think I've seen a few and just started sharing in the podcast. And one of the things in IT and tech, everyone's talking about social media. I was like, what the heck? Give it a shot. That's all part of experiment, right? You, you can fail. You can start. You never know. And I've learned... Just, just like in the social media podcast world, if you're not putting stuff out every day, the technology changes every day. You won't know. Like if you wait a week, it could be different tomorrow. You try to do your setup and you have to start all over and oh my God, nothing's working. <laughs> so it was very, that's how my podcast started. And and I was just telling a story earlier. It was like my son one day just doing uh, videos. He went viral 
we just put a little thing where Coke Mentos experiment and he went viral. Next thing I know, hey, you know, you got 13 million views <laughs> in YouTube, you know, and it just goes that way. So um, it's just a great way of sharing in the, in the podcast world, too. Yeah. And uh, you know what? It's like we've been producing podcasts on a weekly basis, but you've been producing them on a daily basis. So you're like uh, 880 uh, some episodes, I think, was the, the current count. So that's it's pretty impressive. You know, that's there's something to be said about consistency, which I know is part of actually doing some of these methodologies, like, you know, doing a repeating and uh, you know testing and all that uh, sort of stuff is part of this agile concept and you know, the philosophy, especially behind it. But of course, there's there's the specifics, you know, behind actually making agile work. And I think maybe for the purposes of our audience, our audience is fairly diverse. I mean, we have a worldwide audience. They're doing mm-hmm. AI at many different levels. Some are very involved and very technical and very much involved in day-to-day AI projects. And many folks are actually fairly new, you know, just getting started. Even some folks maybe still going through school, trying to learn it. Maybe people who have a data science or a machine learning background, some who have a business background and a, you know, more of a planning and a structure. And so I think there maybe maybe for the purpose of our audience, we can explain, explain a little bit about some of the terminology you're using, especially around Agile and Scrum and some of these things and give some of an understanding as to kind of what we're talking about here and how that might sort of differentiate from what people might be doing uh, today. Yeah. And I did do some research. I listened to some of your podcasts. They were really good, by the way. And uh, when you talked about doing Agile, or we are agile, these people that said, oh, we're doing agile. And you ask questions. And I'm like, I'm the same way. I'm like, let me see what you're doing. You're telling me you're doing agile. Is it really agile? Is it, it just, is it just Jira? <laughs> right. So that that's great. So maybe we'll have that interaction when they say we're going to introduce agile to run our AI projects. Maybe we can have a conversation about that too. Yeah, so I think maybe that's a good place to start. Um, you know, this question, which is, you know, wh- you know, where do you think um, companies and teams fail? You know, when they're saying we are doing agile, and, and maybe as I mentioned, you know, for our audience, maybe let, let's get into some definitions here about what agile is. Kind of where is agile today? Maybe the concept of Scrum that people may may never may not even be familiar with that. Yeah, we can do that too. Um, and as far as the agile, and then you have the waterfall, right? You have agile and you have waterfall as two different quote, methodologies out there. I, I never thought of waterfall as a methodology until I met the scrum world. I'm like, okay, we got to call it something. Um, I just thought it was project management, to be honest with you, and it had a Gantt chart. And that's where the waterfall looks like a, a waterfall. The Gantt chart looks like a waterfall. But with the Agile, there is a me- there is the Agile manifesto, which is some values that everyone holds dear and then there's four of them and then there's, there's like another 12 or other ones that go along with the four key ones and then from there's different frameworks whether it be scrum xp um safe um combine other ones that i think you have referenced in some of your podcasts too that are out there that are just different ways of framing up how you want to interact with other people And I think people confuse how you framing up the interaction to what agile is and shaping that conversation. And I think that's where, where they get that mistake. And, and the big thing people, they hear, they get a hierarchy, somebody that says, okay, we're going to make user stories. So we're going to build this database and it could be in a spreadsheet. It could be in some um, product out there where they list all their stories just because you list all your stories doesn't mean you're agile and agile is about interacting with people. It's about working with the customer, being flexible with things that change. And, you know, AI is a change agent, right? It's a new thing. So you have to, if you really are agile, you're going to free up space to bring that change into what you're doing. And I think that's where a lot of these activities go arise. You know, it's interesting uh, because I I think that some of the things that we hear, you hear as well, but you're even more in that project management world. So when people are, you know, talking about Agile, they say say that we're doing Agile. And also, I think sometimes it's like, we want to be Agile. So if I say it enough, then we will be, but it's not really. But it's like, if I say it enough, then we will be. So what do you think? What have you seen, you know, people commonly misunderstand about Agile, especially technologists? And in the Agile world, they they think 
that it's about, well, they think we don't demo to the customer as much or take us forever to get it perfect to get in front of the customer. In the real agile world, it's not about perfection. It's about feedback loops, lots of feedback loops so that you can adjust what you're delivering. Because how many times, (laughs) whether it be in Waterfall or in Agile, you have customers saying, well, I'll know it when I see it and then I'll tell you what I want. And if you don't get it in front of the customer, they'll never give you that feedback loop and you could be going some path that does not work for anyone, no matter what your methodology is. It doesn't matter. It's going to fail. So getting that feedback loop, but it's it's just one of those things from a technology, like they have to know everything, but in the way of the agile thinking is you're not going to know everything. We admit it that we're not going to know it and we just deal with it. <laughs> Right. But we also put it small enough that, yes, we don't know. I'm not going to give you six months to figure out what we don't know, but I want you to share with your teammates what you did learn. And a real agile organization, it's not just about sharing with the customer. I coach so many teams this way. It's like, well, we just do code or we do something and it's internal and it's not necessary with the customer. I'm like, well, then demo to your coworkers, your teammates. I've been in companies where they would, I, I won't use the names, but they would show some stuff and it would just process 30 million records and like snap on. And everyone's looking at code. Oh, I want that code. Can I use that code? And it's where you get people in your group building up on what somebody else did. And that's what real agile is. And that's where the technologists may not understand. It's also about sharing with your teammates and growing what you came up with and you building off of what they came up with, right? You're going to see something they came up with and you're going to, oh, let me do that. Let me let me use that for the next thing. And I think that's where the technologists don't understand the real agile. And even agile people don't get that sometimes, what that really is. It's about um, working with others. Yeah, I think that's really important. And I think, honestly, really project management is for for people. I mean, yeah. even though we may be dealing with uh, products and technology and things like that, it's really all about, you know, managing finite resources, people's time, money, budgets, you know, schedule, physical resources, right? And I think that's kind of where we start. We actually used a couple of terms here that that I think might, might be worthwhile to kind of dig into because one of the things we mentioned was this idea of waterfall. We brought it up, mm-hmm. we have brought it up in our previous, you know, projects where it's like you, uh, podcasts where we talk about the fact that, yeah, it makes, if you're thinking about a big project, especially a really big one that involves, you know, a lot of resources and a lot mm-hmm. of people and maybe something that's like very physical, like you're building, you know, the Saturn V rocket, right. you're building like, you know, a shopping mall. There are a bunch of things you need to think of advance, you know, not just the building part, but the permits and the utilities and then the, the cleaning and then the, you know, everything from like the, the inside and the outside and landscaping and the fire. And the, and so it's a lot of things to think about. It's a lot of people involved. There's a lot of resources. You don't want to mess things up and like be halfway through your project and realize, oh, we didn't allocate space for parking or something. You know, that's kind of a bad thing to forget. And then you have to go back. So, so you know, this traditional, the old style project managers to kind of think of all the things you need to do in advance, right? Mm-hmm. You know, plan for that. Then you allocate for that. Then you go ahead and you do all those things. And then you, then you implement. And that's sort of why it's that waterfall idea, right? But, but I think, and you, know, you want to talk to, to waterfall at all, or? Well, yeah, and and like I said, I realized I was doing all my waterfall projects in a very agile way, because yes, there are states. But I'll give you an example. I had some system engineers doing some, we were, we built, we we're writing software and thing that didn't exist. And they were like, well, I got six months. I'm like, no, no, no. I want you to write the requirements document and share it with your software guy, the team, and, and have them try to make sure we can create what you just wrote as a requirement. And I want the testing people to get an idea of what's coming along so they can start planning at the same time. So rather than the waterfall, hey, this group does everything first, then this person gets it, and then this group gets it. it that's how you expand these projects that are endless. What I did is crush it in and make virtual agile teams because they're communicating with what they're going every week. They would develop another section of the requirement that would get handed off. And they would all see it at the same time and give these quick feedback loops. What you asked for, we can't build yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we didn't wait a year or six months to figure out we can't build it. It was within that month. 
and and that's how we that's the big difference with those waterfalls where in the waterfall it's only this group and then they hand it next group and then next group and i and i think from an agile you just obliterate that whole concept of one team than another and that's also a danger in the agile world where where i'll be honest with you these companies hey they're agile they created these little waterfall teams i call it scrumafall where they would have one screen, one scrum team do one thing, hand it off to another scrum team in the next two weeks, and then they would hand that to another scrum team two weeks later. Next thing you know, something that should take a couple of days to get done now just took um, two months, right? Because maybe they only had one little piece of code, and I call that scrum a fall. So that's where you see those group. We're agile, of course you are, but you're not working as a team. You're working as separate entities and just extending those those deadlines and no wonder why you can never meet a deadline. Right. And and these are the kind of things that come into it. Yeah. And I know we have a question about scrum in, in a coming up in a few, but okay. maybe since we're at definitions, can you, you know, give your definition of scrum? I actually think of scrum as some developer developed what they do in their process of developing code and created up these, these events and, and, and activities. So scrum, is basically uh, five events. They have a there is a Scrum um, guide out there that's free. Anybody can get it and read it and look at it. And I like to look at it a couple of things. One, there's three roles and then five events related to Scrum. And there's values associated with that, but we don't need to go into that. That'd be a longer conversation. Um, and why I have so many podcasts. There's so many derivations of what you could come out with these guides. So the three roles are the product owner, which is supposed to be the connection to the business, the customer, right? That's what the product owner writes with down and prioritize what the customer wants so that the team doesn't have to do it. There's a dev team, development team, which I kind of disagree with the scrum guide and they can always come. I like to call them creators. I think they're all creators, whether it be a product owner, the dev team, um, or even the scrum master, just creators. Um, because they're all creating something. And then you have the de- you, ha- you have the Scrum Master. Scrum Master is in charge of making sure everyone understands Scrum, the process, the help to look at and, and keep the flow going as far as the work goes. So those are the, the three roles and the dev team builds the product. The, there, the five events, one is the sprint, which is like uh, an iteration, right? Um, usually two weeks to a month could be it could be a day it could be a week could be um, up to a month on that iteration and in that iteration you do a couple things one you prioritize what you want to do called the sprint planning session so these are the things we want to do in this two week or one week iteration and that's just like you are a developer what am I going to do what do I want to work on and you just give yourself a calendar which I love first, the project manager's endless. This is, I have two weeks and I get report. We see what things happen. And then you have a daily scrum, which when I was working on F-A-T-E-N-F for the Navy department, first flight, you know, this is, we had daily, we had daily standups every day, five of us just talk about different front things from the engine, the electronics to the airframe, where we were, where were the testers? We did this every day with or without so it's a normal thing for a team just to see what we got going on and, and and make sure we don't have any clashes and make sure everyone knows what's going on. And then we had a, you know, part of it is a sprint review is another part where you're demoing what you produce. And I kind of talked about that earlier, where if you're a technologist, you should be demoing to your partners on your team what you came up with so that we can all learn. And what that does is it accelerates the growth pattern. Okay. If it's just you, you're not accelerating. But if you share what you did with five other people or 10 other, you're 10Xing. If you ever listen to Grant Cardoon, 10Xing what you're producing because now you got 10 people doing your stuff. And then the last one is a retrospective. And the retrospective is where everyone meets. And what did we do? What worked? What didn't work? There's lots of ways of doing it. And this is also a thing where a lot of teams will stop doing the retrospective because they're not getting the benefit of it. And that's one of the things that kills a lot of agile teams. The whole idea behind the retrospective, what can we do in the very next sprint that we can improve what we did in this past one? What do we learn? What can we do better? And that again, gets the growth pattern up. And if you do this right, I've had teams that would double their work output in six months. 
I mean, where they were and then where do they go? Because they're actually iterating every time. Um, and that's to me, scrum in a nutshell. Well, that, that's just, um, that's what people are looking for, right? That, that when people think agile, I think, you know, they're thinking about the characteristics of agile. Maybe they're not necessarily thinking about the specifics of the process. Mm-hmm. They may not be thinking the specifics about the kinds of all the stuff you mentioned, the teams and the, and the outputs and the actions and all sorts of stuff. They may not necessarily be thinking about that, but they're thinking about that desired end state, which, which is, we actually refer to that in our training as something we call the digital transformation log jam, which mm-hmm. is like, there's this desire to take advantage of all these great technologies, these great digital technologies, because it'll make things more efficient, make things more productive, reduce bottlenecks, you know, improve communication, all that sort of stuff. But we run into these log jams all the time because we're running into processes that are human bound, that are document bound, that, you know, you know, uh, it just have it, it would require a rethinking of the way things are done, which is actually much harder to do <laughs> than to yeah. buy. You know, people like to buy the technology and like say, OK, we, we bought it. And it's like, well, it's much easier to do that than to just change the way you do invoicing or change the way you do, you know, some customer process. Right. And 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 I think people want that desired um, end state. They want to think that they're flexible and agile. It's kind of interesting you bring up, bring up tanks because actually tanks is making the news a lot these days. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> people thought the era of tank warfare was over. It's like, well, guess again, or maybe it is, maybe not. Like it's, the reality is changing, right? But we have these tanks coming onto the battlefield that were built in like the 1950s and 60s. Yeah. You know, yes. in some cases, it's just a little crazy, right? You think about the process that went into designing them and all the mm-hmm. things they had to think about, where, where, where will this tank be used? And, you know, what will the environment be like? And oh. what will the adversaries be? And like, a lot of those assumptions have fundamentally changed, but it takes so long to put these things into, into, into practice that you can't be thinking in terms of, you know, the software world likes to think, you know, when you think about a year, a year is forever yeah. in software land, right? So. Well, yeah, and, and, and I'll be honest with you, my philosophy when I work with the military is I have young men and women out there, and I want to get stuff in their hands. I want to do the best I can in their hands doing what they're versus long drawn out. And, and, and those are the kind of thing, very agile, right? You want to get it in the hands, help them do their job because they got enough. They got bullets flying around. <laughs> they don't need to mess around. They just want the stuff or whatever you can get them, I get them. Um, and that was my philosophy, why, why the agile part came in really well. Yeah, you know, this was great. And and thank you for kind of defining some of those roles. We now have a new term that I've never heard before, scrumathol. We say wagile a lot, which is like a waterfall agile combination. Well, yeah, and there's a little different. And, and the wagafall is where they actually go in a sprint and iteration and do waterfall. So they'll get a designer in the sprint, like they have two weeks, designer will code. And then, and then a, a BA will do something and then a developer and then a tester. And they do this in this waterfall inside a little two-week boundary. And it's why nothing gets done until the last day of the sprint where the scrumafall is sprint after sprint after sprint. <laughs> it's just on steroids. Yeah. And, you know, earlier how I was saying that there was sometimes teams want to be agile. And so they say they're agile, but they're mm-hmm. actually not. And I think that's where agile comes into play where. Yeah. They want to be, but they're not. And so uh, problems can arise because of that, especially, I mean, you know, we've been talking about technology, right? Ron said a year in the technology world is a, a tremendous amount of time where a year, maybe if you're, you know, building an airplane or building a tank or building a shopping mall, it's not that far, you know, it, it's not considered as long. Uh, maybe not as much is going to change within that year. So when you're, taking a really long time on AI projects, it can have tremendous impacts and not all of them are positive impacts. Uh, it can be negative, you know, technology is changing, things are changing, data is changing. So specifically for data scientists and AI developers that listen to our podcast and are, you know, in our community, what should data scientists and AI developers know about Agile? Don't listen to what I call the agile accountants that tell you it's all about velocity and 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 counting metrics and all that. And 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 uh, the worst one is utilization. The utilization is the death nail for any good AI project or anything like that, to be honest with you. Because in your mind, and when you really dive into this stuff as a real coach 
or a real scrum master, you want to free up time for them to think and, and process what they want to do before they start building something, right? So if you're trying to do 100% utilization, you're not giving your team time to think and figure it out. Um, and then the other thing is don't overthink about it. It's not a time card system. Like when they do it, right? The agile, they do it. It's not a time card. Don't think of how many hours you're, think about the complexity of what you're trying to solve and and how do we make it less complex to make it in a sprint or an iteration for something that's going to take months of time to do. And, the, and those are the kind of things as a technologist, don't overthink it. Don't figure out how many hours, don't try that. And I like doing when I do estimates and stuff like that. Some people are like, no, that's been, but I do it, we do it like in 30 seconds. We as a group, and you're getting multiple people, even though they're not doing your specific job, but they understand what you're doing. They're smart people. They got a lot of gray matter up there. I work with PhDs from Georgia Tech years ago. And I'm like, they asked me, what should we do? I'm like, I'm not gonna tell you, you're the PhD. <laughs> I'm just a project manager. If I'm telling you, I don't need to hire you. I'm going to tell you that right now. If I had to tell you what to do, that I don't need you. Um, and they created stuff in like six months. And, and we had, because of that philosophy, where they thought about it and, and figured out where they were going to go at the same time they're developing, we developed stuff where my competition was commenting back to me and said, you know, you're the only group that actually delivered something. <laughs> and we did it in six months and we were fielding it. I mean, we went from nothing, the hardware, we built the electronics, the boards, the breadboard, the, the software, everything. And that actually had a little bit of AI in it, early version, because um, they would actually talk, these devices would talk to each other. You know, it was like pre, this is 1990s. And um, they would just start communicating, figure the best path to go to broadcast the information that was what they, what they had in them. So those are the kind of things that you want to have some space to talk, space to um, interact with your coworkers, right? Share your learnings. And that's so key with being agile. Yeah, for, for sure. I, you know, being retrospective and you know, really thinking about things before you do them uh, is a necessity, but it often feels like a luxury, especially when you have a lot of stuff going on. Like, I don't have time to think about it, but sometimes actually thinking about it is probably the best use of your time. Um, I know Kathleen and I spent a lot of time being retrospective, maybe maybe too much time thinking about what needs to be done, but it, it really works out for us. Yeah. Well, that could be a detriment too, and which is the beauty of the sprint iteration. It makes you say, "Okay, I thought about this enough." Uh, uh, Mike Cohen would say, "Knowing sixty percent is good enough. Go, move on. Don't try to overthink it." Right, and that's why I love these iteration. It forces you not to overthink something and move on and try something out. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, actually kind of like kind of to that point, um, uh, you know, in terms of like, you know, about AI and actually that that's like our the bread and butter. We've been spending, mm -hmm. we've been spending the last five years talking about AI nonstop. And of course, we're going to talk about AI today because this is the AI Today podcast. So of course. we're not going to not talk about AI. So let's actually bring in a little bit of AI. And, you know, part of the reason why we talk about project management in the context of AI is that a lot of the reasons for AI project failures, and there are many, that's one of the, uh, the biggest things that we've been talking about, especially this past year or so, is that a very high percentage of AI projects are not being completed successfully. And by successfully, we mean that they are not achieving whatever the outcome is that they were supposed to achieve. And therefore, the projects are just getting canceled or they're, or they're just, you know, not continuing or, and there's many, many, many examples of this. And it turns out there's a, roughly about 10 or so main reasons why uh, mm -hmm. these AI projects fail. And of course, we have a podcast series on it. So for our AI Today podcast listeners, you can listen to our AI failure series. And we talk a lot about it. Those are, have been actually one of our most popular series. People kind of know what AI is good for. Mm -hmm. They just don't know why it's not working for them. And they will tell you, hey, it's not working for you for the same reasons why it's not working for so many others. And a lot of it does come down to these issues of managing scope, the right solution to the right problem, issues of over-promising and under-delivering, you know, so many issues, of course, data quantity and data quality, a unique problem perhaps to AI projects in some ways. But, um, you know, I think, I think, you know, when we think about how project, you know, bringing in real solid project management expertise and knowing how to address some of these problems so that you have people who are not great technologists, but don't really know how to really scope and manage and run that project well. And, and it, you may be, may be surprising, but we've talked 
talk to many C-levels, people with the chief technology officer, chief data officer, chief AI officer, chief information officer roles, and we ask them straight up, we say, okay, great. What methodologies, what processes and practices are you using for these AI projects that you're spending millions of dollars on? And they come back, they go, methodology? What's that? <laughs> yeah. Literally, sometimes it's very sad, very scary. So, you know, may- maybe you could think about, you know, the question is like, you know, one, how you think bringing in some of these practices that have been around for decades, hundreds of years, right, mm-hmm. for project management into AI. And then on the flip side, how AI can itself help uh, application and agile teams. Yeah. Um, you mentioned a bunch of things there. And, and I'll just go from the documentation, the methodology, and what I re- read on your stuff is more lessons learned, how to really run this project and what goes some some detailed technical questions, like even from an architecture perspective and all that. And I ask the same question sometimes. Agile does not provide you how to do it. Agile, most of the frameworks give you a framework of how to communicate with each other in a team. And I think that's a misnomer right? It's not going to give you the technical solution um, where they, the team should be developing. I'm really surprised a lot of places they don't have the software, the coding or the old engineering school. It's like, you want to like, they all want engineering grads. I'm like, you're not even practice what you got taught in engineering school about laying down this methodology. How do you want to solve this and documenting as you go. And that goes to also the the reviewing the sprint review right where you're not only you're doing it but you're sharing with your coworkers so they all learn from how you came up with the skill and maybe one of the subtasks is to document up a, a wiki page or put something or wherever you have it so people can grab from that but then sharing with your coworkers where that information is and I totally agree with you on that that methodology they just go oh we just do it but somebody has to do the hard work right? People think, and that's the part they miss out on. Um, and as far as, you know, your second part about the AI, how can AI help um, with a lot of these programs? My biggest thing is I see, I, I looked, I read your stuff and the data analysis, right? The data that's out there. So many times I'll get business analysts. I go, well, don't you know what the data is? Well, no. I'm like, well, why don't you know, right? You're a business analyst. You're analyzing data. You're building this just like an AI. Can we get AI systems to analyze this data for the teams? Because one thing I noticed with everything, there's such a variety of architecture. And if you try to create a, um, what do you want to call it? A um, a block or, or a narrowing of the gap where people can get information, process stuff, you know, the roadblocks, the check-ins, your rapid um, deployment is going to be a lot less. So maybe we can use AI to say, hey, I want to launch AI. Just tell me all the fields I got out in this this, uh, AWS or database system out there. What's the shape and thing versus have a human go out there and try to analyze thousands of tables? You know, I've been there where they're like, there's tens of thousands of tables in here. I'm like, I know it's terrible, isn't it? But maybe, you know, from that project perspective, getting that data, what is the customer entering? What is the customer doing? You know, I so I see so many mistakes where um, they fail because they assume they know the customer's doing exactly what they had in their mind to do what they want to do. And they like, I think one of your podcasts talked about having production data, right? I'm like, well, can't you analyze production data and tell me what the the realm of possibilities that are out there. Well, we haven't thought about that. I'm like, why not? That's your job, you know, stuff like that. I mean, those are the kind of things where I think AI can help those application teams understand more when they code. um, What are the possibilities and do some of that pre-scanning that's not done. And then they wonder why everything crashes. I had a friend of mine the other day saying, yeah, they put a wrong code in something. I'm like, you know, you could code it so it doesn't, fail because of that right exactly yeah <laughs> you know it's interesting because it's nice with any emerging technology it's you know how can this help me do my job better mm-hmm. and so when it comes to artificial intelligence it's yeah i mean you know there's so many possibilities 
Sometimes, though, we still see people don't really know what AI can and cannot do. Mm -hmm. So they don't even so either they don't know what's possible or they think that it can do more than it can. Um, and so that's just, you know, one challenge that we've seen. And as we had mentioned, we we have a whole series about, you know, common reasons why AI projects fail. A lot of it has to do with data also, but just even with our with our training at Cognolytica and folks that listen to our podcast know that we're big advocates of doing AI right, including following the CPMAI methodology. And in that methodology, in our training, we talk about you know, what AI is good at and what it can do and what it can't do. And being able to understand that, I, I think, helps you, uh, you know, to figure out how you can apply it. And I know for for you on the podcast, we have defined Scrum at a high level. And now you talked about mm -hmm. how AI can help teams and, you know, what AI developers and uh, folks in the field should know about Agile. But maybe what should, what do you recommend uh, that they understand when it comes to adopting Scrum and how can that be useful? I think as a group, they should go through, I mean, I must say it, if you can't invest a day or two figuring out how the methodology is going to work, don't be applying for the next two years. I mean, why waste your time? You're going to spend two years running this thing, but you can't take a day to, as a group, as a team to understand the roles and kind of play that. Now, and, and as you're going through the class or, or, or something that's available, like you have a class, and there's thought there's tons of ways of getting this and you can bring it in. Most scrum masters can probably teach scrum to their organization. Um, but figuring out how it would apply to what they do and modifying it then and there. But if you can't invest that little bit of time, um, you're going to be, you're not going to be happy in the next two years. You know, it's a very odd thing because we've experienced this as well, which is that, sort of like the cost or time return on education, learning, whether it's self-learning, it doesn't mean mm -hmm. going to college or taking a, you know, like a, a class, even yeah. just like investing time in their thing. For whatever reason, people shortcut themselves on this. Either they feel like it's not productive time, like I could be working on something instead of just sitting there and taking, taking class. I'm like, but you understand that knowing how to do something actually makes what you are actually trying to do either better, more efficient. You know, why would you want to learn all the things that somebody already can tell you not to do or to do? And we just find it so odd that people shortcut themselves with with, with uh, learning and education. You know, that's why we, you know, we, we're trying to get in the way. Yeah, we actually, we do. Yeah. I mean, our, one of our biggest things is we offer education and training, yeah. especially on CPMEI, the cognitive project management for AI methodology, which is this, we've been talking about it. Mm -hmm. It's an iterative approach for running uh, AI projects. It's based on best practices, primarily focused on the steps that organizations need to follow in an iterative basis. Yeah. To, to do things right. And, you know, we have it as a training and certification, but we, we know for those folks who aren't quite sure about it, they don't understand it. We do have a free intro. It's like, it's just your time. It doesn't, there's no other cost, but your time, so, you know, we take our free intro to CPMAI uh, course. It's even got a little, little bit of uh, some questions you can answer just yeah. for, for uh, you know, checking whether or not you have comprehension. So like our kids, when they go to school, a reading comprehension check, basically. Um, go to just, uh, if you go to aitoday.live slash cpmai, so that's our little link for our podcast listeners, go to aitoday.live slash cpmai. You can sign up for that free uh, intro course and take it. We used to have these, do this in webinar format. And then we found out that people are like going to the webinars at like three o'clock in the morning. So, <laughs> so or our Australian friends or something they were like, yeah. So we're like, you know, it just, it, just do it on your own time, self-paced. And then, you know, even for our own training and certification, all that is self-paced too. But like, you know, what are you finding? I mean, are you finding like, like the, the edu there's a knowledge gap, the education gap, you know, is, is still pretty significant, even in areas like scrum and project management that have been around for a while. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you, a, I'll give you a couple, but I'll give you a quick example. So everyone asked me to interview Scrum Masters and Agile coaches for every place I ever worked with. Hey, Greg, could you could you check these people out? And I'll ask them a question. I'll see they got a cert, let's say, five years ago. I'm like, but what have you learned in the past five years? Have you gotten another cert? Have you learned about another mechanism? Have you learned Kanban? Have you learned XP? Have you learned SAFE? Have you learned any of this stuff? Have you learned about your program that may be in your industry? And you'd be amazed how many people don't, right? And I'm like, as a professional, even when I was in my 20s, to be honest with you, as a project manager at that point and mechanical engineer, I went to seminars. I went to learn 
all the time. And that's what I think a professional is when you, when you do this. But I want to add one more thing. Um, there is, I do a, a little thing on building the million dollar team. And part of that is listening to all these millionaires talk about how they work, how they operate mentally. There's an Alex uh, Hermosi, right? He's like, a, he sold his $100 million company. And now him and his wife are building another $100 million company. They want to make a billion dollar company. And he stresses learning. There is not one millionaire on any of these things you can listen to or pay them money for it. It doesn't say, go read a book, go learn something, go get a cert. Go get education. They all do it. And you wonder, why are they so rich? It's because their diversity in thought and processes. I think they're learning. They're taking it and applying it back to what they do. So I'm always surprised when people don't want to do the learning. I'm like, why do you think they're millionaires or billionaires? You'd think they're, they're learning and reading all the time. You know, it's interesting. I have a second grader and they're teaching them at this young age, this idea of the growth mindset. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what you're describing, you know, uh, where you want to continually learn. You understand that there's things that you don't know and you're, you know, looking to expand your knowledge base as compared to, you know, being closed minded, thinking that, you know, everything really being reluctant to learn more. And when you're out in the working world, I mean, in, in school, you see this a, a little yeah. bit, but when you're out in the working world, you really get all these different personalities and you really can see, you know, some of that reluctance, there's some politics that go on and, and you know, especially at big organizations. But I think it's this idea of having that growth mindset, which is obviously what we adopt. And that's why we are, you know, big advocates of continuing to learn and helping teach others with CPMAI and best practices methodologies. So it's, it's, it's nice to hear that. And it's funny you say that. And I do a little twist. Some people think these user stories and Scrum and Agile or whatever they're doing, Kanban or any of it, has to be exactly business product. I'm like, no, why don't you put a user story in there for growth? where everyone on the team has a story. You have a story for the whole team. Everyone takes a task and learn something new and bring it back to the team every sprint. Can you imagine if you had 10 people on a team, they all read a book, took a seminar, and then at the end of the two weeks would share what they learned, even the cliff note version, how much more productive that team will be in a year. Can you imagine? You're getting 10 people that are smart people giving you that feedback, your growth curve just skyrockets to the world. And, and this is also where the technology is, you should be questioning, hey, why don't we have a book reading session or a story or change it up? Or there's a conference, let's all go attend this conference or let's all study some new product and, 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 and bring that back to the table, right? Exactly. Yeah, I definitely like that idea. We're, we're big believers in that. Yeah, you know, I think, you know, part part and parcel, hopefully we're sort of, you know, the end of tail end of this pandemic in terms of people not wanting to get together because we have found that the virtual stuff is important. Hey, people listen to our podcast. They watch your videos and podcasts. Yeah. We do a lot of online training. That's all great. And it's, it's actually, it's been fantastic, honestly, to be totally honest, that, you know, when we used to do things only in person, you know, our audience was was limited geographically. And then once you made things online, actually, it, for us, when we run these online events, we have our AI and government series and our enterprise and event series, we were able to get international presenters and international audience. So it was great. But we found that people really did miss, uh, just to cheer little mention about conferences and stuff, they did miss the in-person component. And there's, there's, there's something different about learning and sharing in person, even if it's the same material, than when you're together and, you know, there's just a different process involved. So there's a side note to that, but yeah. And, and there's a different, I had, a, I had a manager years ago when I was a young person, but I ended up being chair for a bunch of things. And um, the manager would come in first time attend an event and say, Oh, we need to go to here, to here, here, here. And they would book every minute of the day of the conference for every little talk. And I'm like, wait a minute. That's not, I mean, yes, you want to see everything, but you'll learn that you're going to go one overboard. And two, you're not going to have any chance to interact with anybody. So there's a balance. They would send that and they'd go, oh, I'm going to go to all of them, but save some time for interaction and chatting with some people in between those conferences, right? And it's the same thing with this virtual stuff too. But but even when we go back to personal, I mean, it's you got to give some space. You need that space. 
Yeah. This has been such a wonderful discussion. <laughs> I know that we could talk for hours with this, but I do want to be respectful of our listeners' times, uh, you know, listening to this podcast as well. So uh, we do need to wrap up, sadly, with this discussion. But we are going to be on your podcast as well, and I'll make sure to link to that in the show notes so okay, that great. our listeners can um, can link to that. But we always end our podcast interviews with the same question, because no matter how many times we've asked it, we always get different responses. And I'm really interested to hear, you know, from your perspective on oh. on this question as well. As a final note, what do you believe the future of AI is in general and its application to organizations and beyond? Oh, that's a that's a big question. I I um I don't think there's any boundaries, to be honest with you. If you give yourself to try something and imagine it and try to go to that path. And I think some people think where I think it's wrong would be to use AI to analyze user stories. Like what's the what's the growth pattern? What should be the velocity and and these come? We're gonna use AI to analyze how good our people are and all that. That's not what AI should be used for. AI should be used in conjunction of building a product for the customer. How can we in, there's so many ways that AI can help gather data, analyze stuff, provide some stepping stone for the team to learn from. So they can learn in essence from each other right? The AI learns from us and we learn from the AI to accelerate that growth pattern even more. And that's where you need to, I think that's the future of what AI and, and these teams will be. Well, great. Well, if you haven't listened to or watched the 5am Master Scrum podcast, you definitely should. This is why we reached out to you, Greg. You've been, you're fantastic. You're knowledgeable on the subject. I think the overlap is great. And uh, as mentioned, uh, we're going to be on your podcast yeah. as well. So, the, and, and there's and, a custom that you have, right? So, I'll let yeah, you and there's a custom that. I do on my show on Fridays. Um, I there's these people call, I call agile accountants, the ones that want the metrics and the and the fields filled out, and we got to know this. And I go, you don't even have enough spend time to figure this out. You don't even know why we're we're asking the question. But they give me a fortune cookie on Fridays and call it uh, Fortune Cookie Friday. And what I do is it's double sealed wrapped from these agile accountants. They give me a message and we have to read the fortune cookie and apply it to whatever we talked about. So I'm opening the fortune cookie and I know it's podcast and you can't, you can't <laughs> see what I'm doing. I'm trying to make yeah, it. I can hear it. I can see the, the, the fortune cookie has been opened here. It was sealed. And this so, yeah. So now, now typically we can read the lucky numbers and if anybody wins the lottery, they can <laughs> donate to us any winnings from the lottery with the lucky numbers, but we'll skip that today. Um, and so I'm going to read this and then, and then I'm going to ask you all to, to how does what is written on here apply? Person is born to live and not prepared to live. Oh, that's so based on what we talked about, a person is born to live and not and not prepare to live. Well, do you want to get started, Kathleen, or should I, should I jump in? You can jump in first. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's all about, you know, living your life is actually accomplishing and doing, right? Not just sitting around and thinking about and preparing for something that you may or may not ever do. And if we were talking about this with AI project management and AI projects, actually very applicable here because so many people think about, sort of like the possibilities as we had that one podcast with someone's like, yeah, we have a 12 to 18 month project timeframe for AI project. We're like, that's kind of crazy. I mean, it's kind of crazy. You're not actually doing AI. You're, you're planning to do AI. You have a plan to do it. And your plan is out many, many years, but you're not actually doing it. And maybe you should, instead of as that, that expression goes, uh, the easiest way to bite an elephant is one bite at a time. Maybe sort of trying to boil the ocean, take the elephant. What can you do in a, in a very short amount of time? What can we do in a, in a short sprint? Scale down this project, make this much more uh, uh, agile and stop planning and start doing. Right, Kathleen? Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, I also I think about this from an AI perspective and we're, you know, trying to figure out how the brain actually works, right? And how we learn. Uh, and so we're trying different approaches there. And so when I, when I think about that, I'm like, oh yeah, you know, 
definitely you can you can look at it kind of from that perspective or from these projects perspectives you know we're always about uh think big start small and iterate often so thinking with that you know larger overall picture but then iterating often and doing doing things in small incremental steps mm-hmm. yeah and, and my thought on this is you know, we all want to live. We don't want to prepare to live like you don't want to do. So in this agile world, AI world, why not use AI to do a lot of that preparation so that we can deliver on top of that AI analysis and what we deliver? So we're always talking about automation, doing things fast, quicker, faster, better. But if we're, we don't want to know what the customer is doing so we can give them a product and all that, why don't we think about, can we use AI? to do a lot of things that I do so I can free up my time to think about those new and better things that I don't have time to do right now. Well, excellent. Well, fantastic podcast. Again, a big thank you uh, to our, to our host, to our guest here, uh, Greg Mester. I, we're going to link to all the podcasts. We'll do We'll link to our episode as well. And um, just want to thank you so much for, for being, being a part of the show. And I want to thank you for inviting me. This was great. And then expanded a whole nother realm of discussion. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. We always love these podcast swaps because it helps to bring in different perspectives. And I think that's incredibly important. You know, we talk about growth mindset uh, and, and that's part of the reason why we do this because it helps to continue to educate our listeners, educate us and uh, you know, get to those different perspectives that we're not always able to bring to the table here. So again, Greg, thank you so much for joining us. And listeners, if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please make sure to rate us on your favorite podcast platform, whether that's iTunes, Google, Spotify, however you listen to us. And I also will link to some of the things that we talked about in the show notes, including the free intro course that we have for CPMAI. You can go to AIToday.live slash CPMAI, but I will link to that as well. I will also link to CPMAI so you can read that as an overview. And then our podcast swap with Greg. I will make sure to link to that as well. You will not know what we uh, talked about with our fortune cookie. So definitely chime in to figure out what fortune we got and how we answered that. And again, thank you everybody so much for listening and we'll catch you at the next episode. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at Cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolitica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica, all rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.